story from last night. So um, I'm sorry to keep talking about the Swifts, but I'm really not. But anyway, it's okay. I'll do that. Anyway, <clears throat> um, I was uh, in the middle of the party singing Sweet Caroline. You'd all be pleased to hear, representing the vineyard very loudly. Um, I felt at one stage in the stand that I was sitting in for the match yesterday with my mum and dad, I started singing Blue and White Army because no one else was singing. And I thought, this is a bit like worship leading. It's like, Blue and White Army. And people didn't join in, but that was the difference. Um, but anyway, last night, um, <clears throat> in the middle of the celebration, it just was like, honestly, it was like pure joy. It was just pure joy. It was just amazing to stand in this room because they're kind of my team by default. We all know how much Jason loves the Swifts. I mean, I do know that he doesn't love them as much as he loves me, but it's a good job, I know that, because this week it might have been in doubt. Um, but um, whenever I was standing in the middle of the room, it just, there was these wee old men, there was this cutest wee old man standing beside me, and he was just loving life, just dancing away, the sweet Caroline. And I thought, he was, must have been in his 70s, I'm thinking, how long has he waited for this? Like he's, like, he's probably supported the Swifts the whole time it's been in existence. And he's been waiting for this moment. And then in the other corner, you had a pile of young lads, and they were just loving life as well. And it was just all around the room was just pure joy. Um, and then behind me, one of the players had got hit in the head during the match. And I could see him sitting down, and he was holding his head. And I thought, I don't like a lick of that. So I went over to him, and I was like, hey, you all right? And he said, oh, my head's a bit dizzy. And... I says, are you, the, are you one of the cubs that got hit? I know. Uh, forever a mummy. I don't even apologize anymore. I'm just everybody's mummy. So I'm like, did you get hit in the head? And he goes, uh-huh. yeah. And I was like, so anyway, long story short, he says, feel my the side of my head. And I could feel that this vein pulsating at the side of his head. And I was like, can I take you to A&E, please? I promise I'll bring you straight back. And he's like, no, you're not. No, I'm not going to any. I was thinking, this boy's not going to leave this party, like, no matter what. And I'm like, no, please let me take it any. He's like, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, but anyway, I said, can I pray for you? So in the middle of the crazy joy, shouting, singing, celebration, I got to pray with this fella. And it was just the sweetest thing. It was just the loveliest thing. And um, the sweetest thing at the end of it was I prayed for him, and then he crossed himself. Because he really experienced God in the moment, in the middle of all that. So um, I woke up this morning thinking about him, and I'm really still praying for him. I'm really praying that he's not concussed, and there's not going to be any long-term. I've told Jason to try and find out for me today to make sure he's okay. Um, but it's just in the, in the middle of it, like, I love how God is there, how he's everywhere. We don't leave him behind when we go to places of joy and celebration. It's like he comes with us. You know, the Holy Spirit dwells within us so that we should be so aware that everywhere we go with everyone, doesn't matter whether it's a, and I don't like these terminology, but whether it's a sacred space or a secular space or whatever, God is everywhere. He doesn't see those differentiations. He just sees people that he loves. And he just sees his people that he loves, hopefully going and reaching those people that he loves. And it all continues on. So can I encourage you, when you're out and about, instead of feeling like sitting in the corner thinking, oh, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't be here. Oh, my goodness, I feel so guilty. And what if someone sees me? And then they'll talk about me and all that kind of thing. What if you just looked for the moments to reach out and hope that someone would experience your God? Because there's nothing else we have to give away. We've only got Jesus to give away. He is all we have, and he is all any of us need. That's for free this morning. <clears throat> I love the church. Um, 
those of you who know me don't have to be around me for too long in a conversation to hear me talk about her. And I don't love her because I work in the church. I don't love her because this is what God has called me to. I have loved the church from I have been a young, young, young girl. In fact, when I was three, I've probably told you this before, but I um, nagged my mum when I was three years old to get to Sunday school early, a year early than I was supposed to, because I just desperately wanted to be in church and around church things. And now thinking back on that, I think that's really bizarre. <clears throat> but I also see it as the hand of God in my life, and just he has put this love of his church deep within me. And the church is the one place on earth, no matter who you are, through faith in Jesus Christ, you belong to the body of Christ. Did you know that? If you belong to Jesus, then you belong to his body. You belong to the body of Christ. We belong. Whether you feel like you belong, whether you, you are struggling to find a place that you can call home, you belong to the body of Christ. Now, Hear me this morning, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus and you're still journeying in that place of trying to find out who he is, you're maybe not even sure if God exists and you're just coming along and you're journeying that with us, let me tell you that there is a place for you here in the family. We love you. We love that you're here. We love that you're journeying this with us. And here is a place for you to belong. This is your family. This is a place that you, got to, you get to call home. But what I'm talking about is that big C church. The church that spans continents, that spans cultures, that spans language, the big church of Jesus Christ, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord belongs to. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And in John 17, 23, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus and us, us and Jesus. This is what happens when the Spirit of God comes upon us. The church living in Jesus and Jesus living in the church, worshiping with Jesus, communicating with Jesus, listening to Jesus, devoted to Jesus, in love with him, saturated with Jesus. That's who we are as the church. We want to be so passionately in love with our head. We want to be so in love with him that our lives just reflect him without us even having to think about it. In this series, um, we have already looked at church as family. Last week, I talked about church as hospital. And this week, I want to talk about church as school. Now, for some of us, the word school is enough to bring you out in hives. And that's just the teachers. You have to go back in tomorrow after midterm break. But I want to talk about what does it mean for the church to be a school? I don't know about you, but I remember the first time I started working in the bank um, way back in 1992, a long time ago, um, and walking in as a young 19-year-old girl into a brand new environment full of adults. Now, I know, strictly speaking, I was an adult. I didn't feel like an adult. I felt like I was 12, and I was playing dress-up. 
and these grown-up clothes and grown-up high shoes that I couldn't walk in and give me blisters every day walking back and forth from the car park to work <clears throat> and all those things. And I remember walking in and just being so overwhelmed by all the, the just how different this environment was. There just seemed to be all these unwritten rules and all this different layer of information that everyone else knew that I didn't really know. And they didn't really tell you you're in your induction. So you did three days induction. But then you turned up to your new office and it was like, I don't think they give me the right course because this, none of this seems to apply. And do you, know what, do you know what I mean by that? Where it just feels so disorientating and you're in this whole brand new place. And you need someone really to come alongside you, don't you? And to walk you through it. You need someone to come alongside and say, here's what you really need to know. Here's what's really you need to know. Here you really need to know not to use that person's mug in the tea room or it's not going to go well for you. You know, that's the kind of things you need to know, isn't it? You need someone to come alongside you and take you along. And I think that part of church being a school is that for all of us that have already known Jesus for a longer time is that we take people alongside and we go, here's what you really need to know. Here's who Jesus is. Here's who the Father is. Here's how I pray. It might work for you. Here's how I read my Bible. This is what I've found. Here's what someone told me when I first became a Christian, and it worked for me. And, and that's kind of what I mean by a school. It's a place where we teach each other, where we train each other up, where we bring each other along, where we cheer each other on. So rather than thinking of church just of school, of sitting in classrooms and desks and all those things, JC, you're out in your hives again, aren't you, just thinking about school? <clears throat> I want us to think and reframe, and church is a place of learning, of training, and of growth. First of all, a place of learning. All through Scripture, from the days of Moses, the people of God have been encouraged to know and learn Scripture. To be the people of God, the people of Israel needed to know their God. They needed to know who this God was that was calling them out and setting them apart as his own people. You see, they were surrounded by other peoples with their gods. I mean, they just came out of Egypt and they'd been in Egypt for years and years, surrounded by all these other Egyptian gods. And they really needed to know who is this God? Who is I am? Who is Jehovah? Rather than the gods that they've been living among. So we know this, most of us probably know the story, if we've been around church at all, or even if you've gone to school in Northern Ireland, you probably know the story of the Ten Commandments, yeah? Where Moses goes up the mountain, he meets with God, God gives him this set of, of laws, and he comes back down, and he, it's his job then to teach the people and to tell them how to live as God's people. In Deuteronomy 30, verses 8 to 10, if you want to turn to that with me, I'm going to be skipping back and forward through different references this morning. So if you want to follow along in your own Bible or follow the screen, whichever works best for you. Deuteronomy 30, 8 to 10 says this. You will again obey the Lord and follow all his commands I am giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous, just as he delighted in your ancestors. 
if you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The law, the commands, the decrees were all about pointing to who God was. You see, he's saying if you obey the Lord your God, if you keep the commands, if you keep the decrees, it wasn't enough just to know them. There's, he's saying you need to live out this, these laws and these decrees and everything that I'm setting for you. And in doing that, in the living out of them, you will know who I am. You will know who I am. Before the law, the stories and the encounters between God and people were just retold. They were retold. And actually, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. He wrote down all those stories of creation, of Abraham, right through. He wrote those all down in the first five books in the Bible. And in those first five books, we get this glimpse of, this, of God introducing himself. He's saying, this is who I am, and these are my chosen people. These are my chosen people. And Israel is just like a foretaste of us, the church. That's who they are. They're a foretaste of us. Where now there's neither Greek, sorry, Greek nor Jew, slave or free, sorry. Sorry, I shouldn't have been partying the 12 o'clock last night. We're all in the story now. We're all God's chosen people. As the church, his church, we are his chosen people. But it's so important that we, we know who God is. And I think so, never more so than today. Never more so than today. Sometimes I feel like I'm living in Egypt. Sometimes I feel like I've, in the last 10 years, I've woken up and I'm living in a different place. I'm living in a different country, in a different world, where culture is changing so fast and where it seems to be that um, the, the gap between God and the other gods around us seems to be growing. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, to be honest. But it just feels like all around us, we're surrounded by all these other gods. And we need to know who is our God. Who is the God that we're following? Who is the God that we'll give our life to? Proverbs 3, 1 to 4 says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years. Your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. There is something so important for us to note here in these verses and Proverbs. Knowing and living what we have been taught about God has a positive impact on our lives. It's a positive thing. It's a positive thing. He says, if you never let loyalty and kindness leave you, don't forget what I've taught you. Store them in my heart. Live this life that I've laid before you and you will find favor with God and people and you will earn a good reputation. It's not about we don't do it to earn a good reputation, but that's the byproduct. You see, when we follow these commands, when we know this book, when we know the God of this book, even more important than knowing the book, then our life changes in the most positive way. You see, God doesn't give us instructions and rules because he's some kind of control freak, but because he wants to lead us into life. I'm going to say that again. You have maybe grown up in Northern Ireland in our religious system that we have, thinking 
that God is some kind of control freak in heaven just trying to control your life and telling you what you can and cannot do. You see, this morning I'm telling you right now, that is a lie. That is not who my father is. He is a good, good father. And anything that he gives us, any rules he gives us, any instructions he gives us, that's because he wants to lead us into life. He wants to lead us into life and a life more abundant and more overflowing than you can ever imagine. When it says that Jesus says he came to give us life and life to the full, sometimes that verse plays havoc in my mind. Because I think, what does life to the full look like? What does that look like? But what I know is from reading these verses is that following his commands, living my life as he would have me live it, will lead me closer to that place of life. The second thing is, it is the church as a school is a place of training. I want us to look at how Jesus taught his disciples. And he had a great model for us to copy. I think if you're going to copy anybody, copy who? Jesus. Need the Sunday school children in. You know, like when you ask any child a question, they go, Jesus. Who went up the mountain to get the law? Jesus. It's like, but Jesus is always a good answer, I think. So let's look at what Jesus did. Jesus had a model for us, and it was grow as you go. It was grow as you go. It was he brought the disciples with them. They watched him do the stuff. They heard him teach. They did it with them, and then he sent them out on their own. Luke 9, verses 1 to 6. And just before this, in the chapters preceding Luke 9, we find that Jesus has been healing and teaching all over the place. He has been healing the sick. He's been casting out demons. He has been teaching, and he's been telling parables, and he's been telling the people, he's been teaching them about the kingdom of God is here, but as well as teaching it, then he's demonstrating all through, and we can see this in all the Gospels. So we get to this place in Luke 9, and, and verses 1 to 6, and it says, One day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples. He gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and heal all diseases. Now, that's a very short verse. But I wonder what that looked like. What did it actually look like for Jesus to give them? He says, he gave them power and authority to cast out demons and heal all diseases. Do you think that he set them down for four hours and give them a how-to? I don't think he did. I think he's thinking, they have watched me heal in my power and my authority. Jesus' power and authority was evident even to those who did not believe in him. They would say things like, who is this man and whose authority is he doing these things? So they had saw Jesus work and move in power and authority. So when Jesus would have said to them, and I'm going to give you my power and authority, and you're going to go and do it in my name, they would have got that. Then he sent, verse 2, then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Now, Matt has some of our young people away to Bulgaria at the minute. 
Imagine if Matt had said, you're taking nothing with you, Katie Burney. You can't take any clothes with you. <laughs> no, no makeup, nothing. You're, take, you're just coming as you are and no food, no money. We're just, I'm sending you out. You're going. You see, sometimes we miss that Jesus is, this is a life of risk and adventure. And he's just saying, go, go in my power and authority, because really that's all you need. That's what you need. Verse four, wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. Isn't that amazing? It just seems too easy, doesn't it? It's like, really? You know, I'm, I'm expecting them to come back and go, Jesus, first time out, didn't go too well, you know? But it says he just did it. They went and they did it. Jesus sent out the 12 on their own with clear instructions. But also they went out in the knowledge of what Jesus had been doing. They had already seen him teaching the kingdom. They had heard the the. the the truth of what the kingdom of God was, and then they'd also seen it demonstrated. They had watched him, they had did it with him, and then he said, go on, lads. I'm sending you in my authority to demonstrate that my kingdom has come. And our approach in the vineyard is much the same. We use language like, if you stay, you play. And what that means is, is, is if you stay, then it's not like a, it's not like a harsh thing to say. We're just saying, if you stay, you get to play. Probably sounds better. If you stay, you get to play. That means if you stay here and you're part of the church, then you get to pray for the sick. You get to preach the good news. You get to pray for your neighbors and your family and, and people in the Swifts. And you get to do all that same stuff. You get to do it. If you stay, you get to play. You get to live out this adventure of the Gospels that we see. You get to live out the life like the disciples lived as they follow Jesus around in his power and authority. Because here's the thing. You are sent in his power and authority too. Not just the 12. And you get to do that. We talk about everyone gets to play. If you love Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have a pulse, why don't you check? A few of you need to check your pulses this morning. You can go. <laughs> you can go. Go. Preach the good news. Heal the sick. We believe in the need to know scriptures, the teaching of Jesus and his kingdom, and then be released and go. He, he taught the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom and then he sent them out. We love, Jason and I, one of the greatest joys we love about leading, leading you guys in the church, one of the things we love about being leaders, even when we were small group leaders years and years ago before I even ever would have imagined leading a church, we loved to train and equip people to pray for the sick and to speak into other people's lives the words of the Father. We just love that. That's one of our favorite things to do. But how we do it is, it's like how Jesus did it. And one of the best ways you can do, if you long to see the kingdom come where you are, would you get around someone else around you that's already doing it? 
and just say to them, can I follow you about for a bit? Can I just come and hang out with you? Can I, you know, if you want to know how to, how to preach the gospel and how to pray for the sick, sign up to go out with Cheryl Roberts on the streets. Honestly, she scares the life out of me. That's not a very good advert. Sorry about that. Erase that bit. Forget I said that. Honestly, she has such compassion and courage and boldness. But notice what word I said first. Compassion. She loves the people that she meets. She loves them. And you can see that dripping off her as she's talking to people. And then she'll turn around and say, Michelle's going to pray for you now. Am I going, I'm only out here with you, keeping your company. <laughs> Get around people that are doing it. That's what we do for each other. You know, if you want to, if you watch our prayer team come up here and you're thinking, I'd love to be part of that, just speak to Ricky. Ricky Cummings heads up our prayer team. Give everybody a wave there. Ricky looking very smart in his wee jacket down the back. Speak to Ricky. Come be part of the prayer team. Just stand for a couple of weeks. Just stand beside the other people who are doing it and watch them doing it. How do they do it? Then maybe the next week you might even feel brave enough to put your hand on and quietly pray inside. And then the next week you might want to pray with them. And then before you know it, you're on the prayer team. That's how it works. Do you know, we believe that there's a place for everyone to be discipled by Jesus in the church of Jesus Christ. There's a place for everyone to be discipled by Jesus. We are discipled ultimately by Jesus, but we cheer each other on and we train each other up. But there's a very distinct difference. We are discipled by Jesus. And you know, you don't need to serve a probation period and you don't need to complete some kind of a course to get on with it. He is sending us out in his power and authority. Third point, a place of growth. Healthy things grow. You have heard us say this so many times. Plants, trees, animals, and humans. Healthy things grow. If you are a new believer, part of our church family, then I have some great advice for you this morning. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 3. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Grow into the full experience of salvation. I love that translation. I think this is the NLT translation. Grow into the full experience of salvation. Each of us who are followers of Jesus, when we were saved, that is a, a one-off thing in that we are reborn by the Spirit of God. We are now adopted into his family. The Spirit of the living God then comes and dwells within us. But being saved is a continual process. You know the difference? We are continually being saved. What that means is that that we should be progressing along a journey of becoming more like Jesus. But that doesn't happen in an instant. Maybe for some of you, on the day that you give your life to Jesus, everything changed. Like the Saul on the road to Damascus experience. For me, and for most people that I know, that is not our experience. It's more like the road to Emmaus, where we walk 
and we journey with him. And in the walking and the journeying with him and the getting to know him, we are transformed and changed. We grow into the full experience of salvation. Jason has apple trees that he loves dearly. And um, he gets the Cummings boys to come around and inspect them every now and again. You see how they're getting on. And uh, I know as much about apple trees as Jason does. But this is what we do know. We know that Jason's apple trees are doing well when in spring we begin to see small shoots appearing. And then not long after that, we get very excited if we see flowers. Because we've now realized that if you see a flower, that's what turns into an apple. We're learning after a couple of years of having these apple trees. Very slowly, but we're getting there. And then we get really excited in the summer when we see the branches getting longer and maybe even some of those flowers turning into fruit. And you know, our spiritual lives are similar. We see the fruit analogy all through Scripture. Colossians 1, 9 to 10 says, We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I'm going to read that again. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Pray for the big three. Knowledge, spiritual wisdom, and understanding. Now that's a great life prayer right there, isn't it? That we would pray to God and we would ask him for knowledge of who he is, spiritual wisdom so that we can speak into the lives of others and understanding so that we can get a grasp of understanding of, of who God is and how he's at work in the world and we can understand what's going on in the world around us. That's a great prayer for ourselves and for anyone else in your life right there. That we would live to please God and produce good fruit. And as you grow, learning to know God better and better. This is a life of learning and growing and knowing God better. You see, until we see Jesus face to face, we are never going to arrive at that destination of being fully, fully saved. Or, you know, our salvation is not going to be fully worked out until we reach and see him face to face. That when we come before him face to face, then we will have arrived but until that moment, we are growing and we are works in progress. But here's the temptation, and this is my temptation. I love being comfortable. Hands up who loves being comfortable. Oh, I, love, I loved it when I found out about the Danish tradition of hygge, hygge. I can't say the word, but I love it. Candles, blankets, fires lit, hot drinks, TV books, whatever, just like this lovely, comfortable, this is how they do winter, that's why the Danish people are so happy, this is how they live during winter, oh it's amazing, but that's okay for my physical life because I actually need to rest and that's a good rhythm for me, but I don't want to have that creeping into my spiritual life, I want to be growing 
I want to be healthy and healthy things grow. And, and one of the things about um, in my own life where whenever we first started uh, leading church and my goodness, it was the scariest thing I've ever done. Planting this church, having children, giving birth, nothing on this. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. This is the, the first year we did church. 2004 was the scariest year of my entire life to date. It was really terrifying. And um, one of my really, really good friends and mentors, um, Catherine, I used to phone her and cry down the phone and go, I can't do this. I really can't do this. This is too hard. This is too hard. And uh, she would talk me through it and she would go, no, you can do it. You are doing it. She was super good. She would just say, you are doing it. You can do it, Michelle. All this is is another stretch. It's just another stretch. And I go okay, it's just another stretch. And then it felt like six months later, same thing again, same conversation, almost word for word, different scenario. And she'd go, Michelle, it's just another stretch. It's just another stretch. She says, you've just got to a certain level and you were just getting comfortable there and all of a sudden it's another stretch. There's another gap. And I would get a bit frustrated with this, to be honest. I'd be going, how many more stretches? How many more gaps? And then one day I was at a... Um, a pastor's meeting. And one of the pastors come up and we were doing ministry time and he came up behind me and he just said, Michelle, it's always going to be beyond you. And my heart sank, I'll be honest. I was like three years in at this stage. I thought, really? 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 It's always going to be beyond me? I'm thinking, who can I resign to? Where do I send my letter? I'm out. I'm like, I cannot keep this going, this stretching and this, this going into this gap all the time. I want to have arrived. When am I going to arrive? But the more I thought about it, the more that settled on me. And I thought, okay, God, it's always going to be beyond me. That means you're going to fill the gap. You're going to fill the gap. You're going to stretch me to where I need to be next. And then next. And then next. And then next. And then next. Because we need that stretch. We need that gap. Because in that place is God. And in that place is our faith. No one said growing is easy. One of my cousins growing up, my favorite cousin Kyle, he used to suffer from terrible growing pains. Um, he was my hero. He was the reason I wanted to go to Sunday school early because he got to go and I just wanted to go. I wanted to go and hang out with Kyle. And he was just so, yeah, he was like the big brother I never had. But he used to have terrible, terrible growing pains. And it was always a bit sort of bit disconcerting for me to see this big footballer boy crying because his legs were sore. But it was because he really had, had growing pains. And it's like the same when we're growing. There's pain. There's discomfort. This life following Jesus, growing in Jesus, becoming more like him. It's not supposed to be easy, folks. It's not supposed to be easy. And if anyone has ever told you that it was, they were lying. But it is the most wonderful journey to be on. Becoming like him. To become like him. The one who our heart loves. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to be comfortable. Hebrews 5, 
12 to 14 says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. We commit to being lifelong learners and to teaching others. It's like I said at the start, I am so thankful for the people in the bank who took me alongside and told me really how to do it. And maturing in Jesus and maturing in Christ and, and, and part of the stretching is that we take other people alongside us and we give away what God has given us. We talk a lot about that in the vineyard and purely and simply it just means whatever we have learned, whatever we have experienced from Jesus, we just give it away. We give it away. We did it with our ma, didn't we? We give away. We love those guys. We still miss them. I do. I still miss them. We give away our best. We give away what God has given us, and we keep on doing it as a community of faith. We give away in the India. We give away to the refugees. And sometimes the physical actually giving money is easy, isn't it? But to give away of yourself, to give away of your heart, to give away of your own passion, to give away, to be in that vulnerable place of actually teaching people from your own mistakes of how you've learned the hard way, that's a vulnerable thing to do, isn't it? But church, that's what training up each other is. That's what discipleship looks like. We take others on the journey. We take each other under our wings. We call out the growth. It's a bit like the shoots in the tree. When you, when you get alongside each other and you begin to see those wee shoots of growth, isn't it so exciting? When you've been journeying with someone and someone's your friend and your pal and part of church and all of a sudden you see them step out into something and you begin to see these wee shoots of growth. It's the best thing. Someone maybe prays for someone for the first time and you're like, wow, that's a wee shoot. But instead of saying wow on the inside, what if we said wow on the outside? And we began to call it out and said, I am so excited. I can see God at work in you. I can see him at work and you look because sometimes we don't see it ourselves, do we? Sometimes we're just so scared and we're just in that gap in that stretchy place that we can't really see what's going on and we can't see the signs of growth. But that's why we need each other to call them out. Don't be tempted to settle. Church, do not be tempted to settle for an easy, comfortable Christian life. We cheer each other on. We get on the sidelines and we shout encouragement. Let's not let each other fall into the comparison trap of feeling less than. Do you know, if you're an apple tree, be an apple tree. Stop trying to be a peach tree. Like seriously, it doesn't matter how hard you try to grow peaches, you're not going to grow peaches. You're an apple tree. Cheer on the peach tree. Celebrate their peachiness. <laughs> but also, celebrate your own appleiness. I've created, created a couple of new words today. Peachiness and appleiness. Church is a school. It's a place of learning, of training, and of growth. But let's do it together. Let's do it together. Let's be the church that cheers each other on 
tucks each other under our wings. And let's not ever settle for this a comfortable, easy life when God is calling us to more.